0: to the impeccable perspective podcast where we help you discover gospel clarity and openness in a new way by letting go of the culture and finding your truth while having some fun doing it now here are your hosts joe peck and Luann Roundy. Hey everyone, welcome back once again. So here we are for another fantabulous episode of the Impeccable Perspective <laughs> Podcast. Uh, today,
1: fantabulous, We're
0: fantabulous. Well, yeah, that's have a to great word. look that word. one up in you, the dictionary, you definitely should try the Urban Dictionary. it's there probably we go. where we will find it. But uh, nonetheless, it is uh, getting better and better. Fantabulous. Uh, we are tackling a wicked tough. Topic today. One of my favorites. One of your favorites. Yes, all
1: favorites of all time in therapy and for myself.
0: You are a sick and woman.
1: I exactly.
0: <laughs> I'm a little nervous about this because <laughs> I don't know what kind of backlash we're going to get from this topic or how it's going to uh, how it's going to work out there. But uh, that's never stopped us before, so we are going for it. I am talking about judgment. That is a big word carries a lot of stigma for a lot of people <laughs> and it's uh it's it's a great topic to talk about and we felt really strongly that this is something that needs to be addressed uh you know pretty early on in our podcast history here in life uh because it, it just affects so many people and uh it is a uh, it, it's something that literally has Impacted people's lives uh, for good and for bad, and it's been misused by the culture of the church, which we're going to get into, and it is uh, a reason that many people have left the church and have bad experiences with the church and live in fear because of judgment, and that's not how it's supposed to be. That's not what God intended, so we're going to talk about judgment, what it is, the kinds of judgments that are out there and how God wants us to judge and how he does not want us to judge and, uh, you know, how it's okay to uh, to, to be able to um, not worry about judgment and to live with judgment. And, uh, you know, you are doing fine exactly the way you are, and you don't need to be judged. So uh, lots of great things to, uh, to jump into. I don't even know where to begin. Oh, let's, have let's start
1: with um, part of the reason we want to do this is we've gotten some feedback about being judgmental of... Church leaders that on and, the and podcast on the podcast and right. that has never been our our intent or our th- even a thought. It is the um, just the culture which has come about with just being in a church, which is a social gathering of different people, different thoughts, different ideas, but trying to fit the social norm of what the church culture has presented and the judgment that has developed because of that cultural norm.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a it's a thick topic uh, for sure, and uh, we do want to get the uh, the message across clear that um, you know the, the podcast uh, is absolutely motivated by the way that the culture of the church treats people, and in my opinion, it's wrong. There's a lot of damage that has been done by the culture of the church, and again, you know, we kind of define this, I think, in our very first episode that we did together. But we, we determine that the culture of the church uh, represents people in the church who take it upon themselves to act a certain way. And many of these people are just uh, perpetuating the traditions of their fathers. They are the Stepford Mormons who are spoon-fed the gospel their whole life, who have stopped thinking for themselves, who just think that uh, the gospel is all about a checklist and that there's only one way to live. There's only one path to follow, and if you don't follow it, well, you're wrong, and, you know, you don't belong in this church and uh, all kinds of uh, really incorrect thinking and attitudes that have caused so much damage. And that's not cool with me. It's just not cool because it hurts people and it takes away people's opportunity to live the gospel and to receive the blessings right. that God has for them and to have the relationship that God wants them to have with him and the Savior.
1: And it hurts those people, and it's not the truth. That's where I come from. Let's look at the gospel as pure truth, and the culture of the church is not based in truth. It's based in people's, against ideas or opinions that they've taken and said, okay, now I want everyone to live this way, and if you don't, then you're bad or wrong. People are not bad or wrong. They're going to have different ways of dressing, different ways of acting, different ways of... Um, they're living their lives and it's the freedom to not judge them and allow them to govern themselves. Let's go back to what Joseph Smith said. You teach correct principles, which is truth, and you let them govern themselves. And that's not what the judgmental culture is based in. And it's also, you're right, based completely in fear. Judgment's based in fear that if I judge someone as bad or wrong, and I'm afraid of them, I will not want to interact with them or withdraw from them because of that judgment and and because they're going to affect me or lead me away. And that's based out of fear. Just because someone does something that is not in keeping with what your standards or the standards of the church are, doesn't mean they're going to lead you away. That has everything to do with you and not a thing to do with them. And it's their choice. And and it's not getting into that whole judgmental stance. It's moving into a place of faith and a place of love that we love everyone. And it doesn't matter what their choices are. It doesn't matter how they've lived their lives, that we can love them as unconditionally as possible, which is not completely possible in our human states, but love them unconditionally. And that is not judgment, love and judgment. Sure. I'm going to judge certain things. I'm going to get into this, but that doesn't mean that I'm have the right to judge people as right or wrong, good or bad. Um, that is not my, my place. And as a parent, It's loving my children for what they have brought with them and helping to teach them correct principles and how to judge circumstances of, is this a healthy circumstance that I would want to go into? Or is this something that I need to use caution or have a boundary with? And this is where we get into boundaries, which is more of, of psychological lingo and counseling lingo, but boundaries are important because the Lord gives us boundaries because judgment is his. And so he's the one who set the boundaries. I agree a hundred percent with that. He's He's the one who's the judge. He's the one who gives us the commandments. He's the one who tells us, here are the boundaries I want you to live within, the Ten Commandments. He gives us the boundaries of um, that. And then our covenants that we make are those very distinct boundaries, baptismal covenants. um, And then the temple covenants that we make are these wonderful guidelines, guidelines for us to live within and understand if you do this, it'll keep you safe and healthy and it will bring you joy
0: that's exactly right I mean that's that's uh, that's you know a big thing for me with all of this and I think that that kind of gets contested uh, like that and um, I want to come back to that in just a second but just to to follow up on the the culture and everything uh, the church we, we've identified clearly there's three distinct uh, components of this whole religion one is the church which we've determined to be uh, the institution itself the the uh, the um, which, which comprises temples and buildings and, and all of kind of stuff, uh, and and the uh, prophet and apostles and the leaders of the church, basically at that high level, Right. the administration uh, the of the church. A, right, exactly, they're the, right, the ones who are aside. here
1: to be the judges of Israel within those rules or guidelines or covenants, promises that we've made, and that is not for us to judge others. We don't have stewardship in that way, but that's where the church does need that structure for them to be able to to have it it really prevents chaos and it prevents things from getting out of hand and we have very sameness in everything that we do which is exactness and sameness is needed
0: it's all about order right which god is a god of order we know that and the church is very orderly and organized uh, bureaucratic as well but that's that's the uh that's what you get uh, you know in this world is with organizations like that it's not not a problem but that's what we're talking about administrative and the the physical kind of assets of the actual church institution itself that is what we mean when we say the church and then there's the gospel which is all the truth All of the doctrine, all of those beautiful principles, the Holy Spirit, all of that kind of stuff falls under gospel. So they're very, very distinct. And so what we're talking about on the podcast, when we... You know, criticize. I'll use criticize because I do. I'm I'm very openly critical about the culture of the church, and the culture of the church is simply people who choose to act a certain way. Yes, they're members of the church, but they don't represent the church. And the things that we say, if you listen to it, we are not saying there's anything wrong with the church. We're not saying what the church says is false. We're saying what people choose to do and act and say is false because it's based not in truth, it's based in fear and judgment. And the problem is they have very serious Uh, impacts and very uh, serious consequences to other people. They're literally hurting and driving people away from the gospel, which is not what God intended. And that's not cool. That is just not right in any way. And so we want to talk to people who feel like yeah. You know what? I have been a victim of the culture of the church. I have been treated that way and I don't want to be a part of this church. I don't want to be a part of this gospel. I don't like to live right. like that. I don't want to become those people, but that's the only reference that they have because they grew up in a home like that or they grew up in you know in, in a culture, in a community mm-hmm. that where the people who were their leaders, the people who they were told have all the answers and are the, the people you're supposed to listen to and the people that have you know, communion with God and, and can get revelation for you or whatever you want to call it. They were told that those people are who you should listen to. And those people misled them or those people took traditions yeah. or their own agenda and gave them false truths, right? Give them false information about what is right and treated them in a way that hurt them. And that simply is not true. And that has nothing to do with the church in any way at all. We would <laughs> I mean, no, we love this gospel. We would never speak out against the actual church itself, and nothing that we have said does that. And and uh, so I want to be very clear that people aren't getting the wrong impression of what the purpose of this podcast is and what the message is that we're really sending. We want to embrace this gospel. We want to share that message with everyone, and we want to tell people to and tell people and, and let them know that it's okay to be exactly who you are and still be a member of this church or to still have a relationship with God or still embrace the savior as your savior and still embrace the gospel principles and apply them in your life. You're okay to do that just because you're not following a path that someone told you you're supposed to doesn't make you a bad person. And that's the message and that's our audience. And I think that is a great thing to do. Right.
1: And, and I have really worked on getting rid of the supposed tos. I call them the supposed to's because there are no supposed to, I'm supposed to do this. I'm no, it is it you should is, all over yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I or I should shit all over myself. There's the shaming part of it. Right. I use that one a lot also, but there are no supposed. Tos. We have the gospel and the truth, and never, ever does the prophet, the quorum the twelve, anyone teach us, you do exactly what I say. They say, Go take what I'm telling you and find out for yourself. And that's where the power comes of personal revelation and being able to find truth in our own way. And that's what God wants us to do. It's the only way to return back to him. And I'm hoping the podcast, I totally agree with you. I want to speak to these people who've been hurt or suffered some type of abuse where people have hurt them or have fallen away based on on something that is not a truth, but also the people within the church that have been trapped in the culture. We're back in that bubble wrap where I'm not really in the moment. I'm not really fully present because I've been wrapped up and I'm missing everything around me because I'm in, enclosed in this cocoon of the culture, really shedding the culture and finding out for yourself, what do I want to be? What do I, I'm not going to look at my neighbor or the person sitting on the pew next to me and think, I want to be just like them, that you want to be yourself. And it may not go with what the social norm is in your ward or in your stake, but that isn't always a healthy thing to do, that just because someone else is doing it, it, and we're into this peer pressure that that's, I'm going to do it too, because that's never a healthy place to be. I don't think the pioneers all left because of peer pressure. Hey, I'm going to to somewhere in the West. You want to come along? And they wouldn't have lasted. And people did turn back. And I think the ones that turned back are the ones that said, mm, this isn't really for me. I just went because my neighbor thought it was a good idea, and I really liked my neighbor and thought I wanted to be like them. That's never going to get us to, to return back to Heavenly Father. That's...
0: No, not at all. And I think the discord for me anyway is, um, you know, we have these messages from the leadership of the church. And when we're talking about that, we're talking about the, the prophet. We're talking about the apostles and in that kind of level and the official, uh, you know, doctrine of the church and those kinds of things. Uh, and that's what's truth and that's what's right. But then you get to leadership at a local level and let's just say stake president and below kind of thing. Uh, and that's where the message gets distorted because you do have people who tell you, this is what you should do, and you have to just do what I say, kind of thing. That's the message that mm-hmm. gets across. They don't say, and I don't know why they don't support the message that comes from the actual uh, church.
1: And let me tell you why, from a behavioral standpoint. Yeah, do it, please. They grow up in a home where they're told you need to do this, you need to do that, and they start to they don't understand communication and the power of words, and so whenever they will speak, they will say, "And you need to do this," and that's where I look at it, and I I tell myself in a gentle voice. They don't, they don't tell me what I need to do, I choose. And it's redefining, and, and again, their fault, it's not that they're trying to be abusive, but they just don't understand or they don't have a healthy way to be able to rephrase it or be able to communicate in a way of, you know, here I'm your leader. I maybe had this prompting. Now take it home and do what you want to do with it, as opposed to saying you need to do this, you need to do that. And majority of the time they've just grown up and that's what they know. And they're just, again, traditions of the fathers. It's really praying and asking for God to lead and guide. And God doesn't tell us what we need to do. He tells us the commandments and then he says, and you go choose and that and figure it out.
0: I agree, but I, I don't, I don't, accept that as an excuse, right, no, for these leaders. Because they these, can learn and they can yeah, and, they and, and it's
1: learning and asking and being meek and humble and someone and here's the key for all of us. If if we do feel that, going to them and saying, Hey Whenever this was said, I was really bothered. I just want you to know out of a place of love, I'm letting you know how I felt. And if they are truly meek and humble, they'll thank you and say, thanks for letting me know that. I'll work on changing that. That's a church of love and a church of growth and a church of openness. And wouldn't it be wonderful if that's what we went to every week where we all could be loving and kind and, and be able to make those comments in an open way.
0: It would be amazing. I, I think, you know, we're... Getting more towards that, I mean the fact that we've kind of uh, changed the church structure, where it's a two-hour block now, and it's not—it's a home focus and not a church-only focus—that gets people out of that mindset a little bit more. Um, that way, and uh, I, I think yeah, we are—we are moving in that direction. But uh, the—I uh, don't know—the—the—the the, the, the problem is people just—we're going to get back. I want to get back to the guidelines now, right? Because the culture of the church. And, 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 uh, and first, let me just say, I had a thought earlier that uh, not every leader in the church at the local level is, you know, uh, is doing this at all, right? But I'm saying the culture of the church generally exists at that local level. And a lot of times, uh, it, it, you know, the culprits are the leaders uh, in that sense, because they're the ones who have the most influence, and they're the ones that we're told to listen to all the time. And when you have those... Traditions and those puritanical kind of ideas and that mindset, then that's where the damage comes from. But it's not everybody like that. There's some obviously very amazing, uh, you know, leaders who who do support uh, the messages from the church and have made beautiful impacts in people's lives. And you love to to you go to church because those people are there. And there's many people who will tell you I love my bishop, for example, and and people tell you you know I moved because of my bishop. You know <laughs> things like that. It just kind of depends. But anyway, let's get back to the guidelines because I think that's the the problem with that where people I find in this church, you know, we, we take, first of all, they don't look at them as guidelines. They look at them as commandments and that they are absolute and that you can't change. And, you know, if we say you have to do this, then that means you have to do do it this way. And this is what that means. And there's really no kind of um, flexibility on that at all. And do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, guidelines how how we really have guidelines and how that kind of plays into agency and maybe just sort of the uh, the sociology behind that as well to help people understand that because i think it's a message that needs to get out it
1: needs to get out okay and and so let's even talk about we have the ten commandments which are commandments but again if you look at them you're not damned if you break a commandment because there's repentance and so it's a guideline in that here are the things again that i'm asking you and it's it is much easier if you don't go out and kill somebody You know, in all honesty, the Lord understands these things. It's pretty easy to figure out whenever we make temple covenants you know we have the law of the gospel we have you know the law of sexual purity and all of those things make things much ve- they're easier to live our lives but again it's not telling you that you can't choose because you still choose and that's what repentance is for and and the social piece of it comes in that i'm not looking at it as an individual meaning that i'm taking this and applying it to myself i'm looking at it as well everyone else is doing this around me so i'm also going to go along with it and and that's what gets dangerous that becomes more of a of a social normative behavior or a community think um they've done studies of what happens when people are in social situations and how they behave and act differently that if uh, a woman is broken down on the side of the freeway and there are, are hundreds of people passing by, no one will stop because everyone thinks, oh, someone else is going to take care of that. But if she's broken down on the side of a country road where maybe one or two people pass, a person who is passing by will think, oh, I may be the only person who can stop. I need to stop and help her. And it's, that's the difference of personal responsibility and the responsibility, oh, someone else will take care of that. And in the church, we even see that it's the 80-20 rule that 20% of the people serve within the ward, 80% of the people just come and partake of it, and that needs to change also. That's a cultural problem within, right. the, within the church of of that, that we all give, we all receive. We all have a personal responsibility to come to church prepared to listen, to share, to be able to, to feel the spirit. We all come to worship. Um, and it's it's not condemning or judging others because they choose to follow whatever guideline is given. So the one I think of is um, in the proclamation it talks about women being the primary ones to nurture the children and to stay home and take care of them, I agree with that a hundred percent. I believe that the proclamation was ordained of God. Like those were things that that the world needed to be told many years ago before things the family has really come under attack. And yet, for me in my life, that guideline didn't work. Whenever um, my number six child was about eighteen months old, I was in the temple, and I just really felt strongly I needed to go back to work, and I. I didn't know I had that prompting, and you know, I kind of had the little little discussion with the Lord. I have an eighteen-month-old at home. No, you need to go back to work, and it was and it was then. It wasn't. Hey, wait. Um, it was that I needed to go back. So I renewed my license, and then I started looking for a job. And it didn't come very easily. I interviewed at different places and didn't get anything. Didn't get anything. And so I'd pray. I'd say, Hey, I really got this prompting. I really feel like I need to go back, and I need to go to back to work back in the workplace. Um, and at this time I didn't have my, my license to practice independently. I still was in the phase of getting the last few hours of my kind of like residency type of thing where I would finish my license. So I had to look within some type of a, A bigger setting. And so I I finally ended up getting a job at Banner Behavioral doing intensive outpatient, which is group therapy, which I really hadn't done a lot of, but I, and I'd worked a lot with teens, but as I grew in it, I loved it. And the people that I met there, I know why I needed to go back to work at that particular time. There are people that I met that blessed my life in, in in ways there's no way that I could have ever expected um Andrea Ariet is one of them she taught me dialectical behavior therapy which I teach and I use in my practice all the times and it blessed the lives of Hundreds of people, if not thousands, with dialectical behavior therapy. Um, I met um, Josh Adams, who I have a great friendship with, and we worked together in, in gaining understandings of things on a gospel perspective. Um, and, I, and they, I had clients there that I know I needed to be there for their lives. And that, that God worked through me to be a blessing to them. So we may not, le- if we lean into our own understanding, we don't always understand why God would prompt us to do those things whenever maybe that guideline is a little different. And the other thing is my kids, because I worked in the evenings, group was in the evenings, were only with um a woman in our ward who's a grandmother who was looking for a part-time job. So she came to our home. She watched them for about two to three hours. And then my husband came home. So it blessed her life that she could make some money and be able to be with kids, which she loved. And it made it so that our children Weren't with you know daycare or with a babysitter for long periods of the day, and and it, it was a blessing to her also to be able to be in that place. And so, as I look back, I gain a whole different understanding as to why the Lord prompted me to do that. Um, But but we don't always understand that. And and if people judge you as bad or wrong because well now now they're a two person income, why are they doing that? They want more things, or that's not what the prophet told us. They don't have the spiritual promptings, a revelation that I did to be able to understand that that was what was right for me at that time. And, and that's where we fall into that slippery slope of judging others and condemning them for something we don't understand.
0: First of all, I'm going to recommend everyone gets triple A membership. So you don't have to worry about (laughs) stopping on the side of the road and waiting for somebody to, to come uh, help you. Uh, that works great for me. I love having that. And uh, secondly, that uh, dialectical behavior, does that involve electrodes?
1: No, okay. that's electroshock therapy or that ECT. Scary. That one's a whole different thing. Dialectical means that there's two, actually, it's very gospel related. Dialectical means there's two sides to everything. And so for everything, there's an opposite. Goes right back to Alma, there's opposition in all things. And so in dialectical behavior therapy, we look at both sides and are able to work with both sides positive emotions and negative emotions and so it, it really is the gospel just spoken in a different language and it's based on mindfulness and meditation and being present and on, and also one of the big pieces in it is a non-judgmental stance which is exactly what we're talking about today being non-judgmental and in that way it frees us from suffering which is a big buddhist tenet that they believe in
0: well absolutely yeah i mean nobody likes to suffer right let's be honest Um, but, uh, I, uh, I, I just totally love the concept and the idea that we can receive personal revelation and everyone can, right? You can, I mean, the the spirit is there for everyone. The spirit is the go between, I think, between God and ourselves and the spirit speaks to our minds to, to protect us, to inspire us, to give us revelation for our personal lives to uh, give us ideas that we need, uh, to answer prayers, all these wonderful things. And every single human being has access to that regardless of you know what church you go to or anything like that. If you're worthy, right? You, you need to be in an environment that will invite the Spirit and that sort of thing. But if you sincerely pray or you sincerely desire in your heart to receive an answer, it'll come. And that's kind of how it works. And I, I just I think that's one of the most amazing things because we can receive the information that we need. And when you received you know, this prompting to go to work, um, there was a purpose for that. And there was a plan that God had for you. And, you know, the the problem that I have is is that the the culture of the church doesn't look at it in, that, in those terms, right? The culture of the church is just so bent on when we're talking about these guidelines and everything. They just have this defined idea of how we're all supposed to live our lives. And the problem is they think that if you don't do you know, or if you don't follow these guidelines, you don't obey all these commandments, quote unquote, that you're not being obedient, right? I mean, this is a very obedience based religion kind of thing. And it is that that's wrong. That's kind of defeating the purpose of the whole thing because we're not allowing ourselves to be open to really the true path that God has for us, which could be anything. I have several friends. My best friend, in fact, is a stay at home dad. And, um, like all of these guys, it's the same kind of situation. Their wives, they, they don't want to be stay-at-home moms in the traditional sense. They just don't, right? And, and some of them are very successful businesswomen, and uh, some of them are uh, very influential people, and they love their careers, and they make a difference, and they change the world for the better. And that's their calling, and uh, they're still a mom, and they want to be a mom, and the dads make the sacrifice to be the Mr. Mom mm-hmm. and stay at home. And that kind of gets the stink eye from a lot of people in the church because that's a complete—it's t- it's taking the traditional, quote-unquote, and again, this is all just perceived, but taking this traditional model of what a husband and a wife should be and turning it on its head— right? Right. And, and it's like, well, no, the man is the provider. The woman is the nurturer. She should stay home with the babies and all these kinds of things. And these are you know, active members of our church kind of thing, right? So uh, th- then they're just doing that. But that is exactly what works for them. And that is the right situation. That is what God intended for their lives. And it works incredibly well. Like They have beautiful families, very, very healthy relationships with their kids, loving families, loving marriages, all the things that you would ever want to have. But the culture of the church, will look at that. And, and, you know, there's just slights, you know what I mean? And, and nobody really goes up and says anything, I don't think, but people murmur and, <laughs> and these kinds of things because they think, well, that's not really what God intended. And that's not true at all. You have no right to judge, first of all, right. someone with that. But these, these guidelines are, are exactly that. And that's the thing. And, I, you know, I get asked all the time from people who are not members of my church, well, can you do this? And can you do that? And all these things, it's not about what I can and can't do. It's what, what I choose to do. And yet we're given guidelines and we're given... Um, you know, certain uh, types of, uh, you know, things to follow, I I suppose. I mean, guidelines is is a great way to summarize it, right? But people just look at our church and they think, well, you guys don't drink, you don't do this, you don't do that, and all these things. And so can you do this or can you do that? Or, you know, am I going to offend you by doing this or whatever? And they think that this is something that's set in stone that we have to follow well,
1: and let's and let's pause for a second on that. They think that you're going to judge them, that they're doing that, like let's say that you go out with friends and they're not of our faith, and they say, "Oh, are you going to be offended if I drink in front of you?" Well, it, because you're going to judge them as bad or wrong because you're not. Following what I believe. And it's never that. We give people and it's loving other people for where they're at. That's not their boundary that they have set with themselves and them understanding and being respectful back to you and saying, Hey, I understand this is your boundary. I'm not going to pressure you or, you know, offer this to you because I understand that's where you're at. And you can say to them, That's not your boundary, and I'm totally okay, and I can love and accept you just the way that you are and not judge you for that, because that's not my place to do that.
0: Right. And then that I mean I I agree with that so much. And that that's, you know, I, I find myself explaining that to people all the time, because the assumption is like, well, you know, you're a Mormon, so you don't do this, and you don't do that, you don't do that. And that's just Fixed. That's absolute. Like, there's no change. To that like you don't have a choice, right? That's right. that's the thing. Or
1: they've grown up in in a highly um, like thick Mormon culture. Oh yeah, where there's a, a, in Utah, Arizona, Idaho, or a lot of that, where if your children don't have the same standards or the same moral code or the same belief system, we won't let our children play with you. And that, so I have clients that will say, I grew up in Utah, and I was <clears throat> bullied and shamed because I wasn't like them. And I never felt apart at school because the kids saw me as different because I wasn't Mormon. And it's helping them to heal from that shame and that hurt. We're back to it hurting them, the culture of, you know what, that's not the way the church is. The church loves and accepts everyone, and just because those children were afraid or their parents were afraid that if they played with you, and these are amazing, wonderful, beautiful people that just have so much to offer, just because they wouldn't let them play with you didn't make you a bad child, that you weren't, you know, ugly or you're that you didn't fit in or talented. Um, like this one played soccer and she was fabulous at soccer, but none of the LDS kids on the soccer team really were friends with her because she didn't go to church with them and they kind of shunned her in that. And she just felt a whole, she grew up in a whole lot of shame based on that. And yet this is just an amazing woman who has so many talents and she really has had to heal from that shame based on, the culture. And I think that's why we're talking about That's this. exactly
0: why. I mean, that literally, those examples are literally what motivated me to even want to start this podcast, because I think that message needs to go out that this is wrong the way people are being treated. I mean, you can hear the heartbreak in your voice and these aren't even your kids. Like <laughs> you're just talking about people that, you know, may not be that close to you, but you can tell how damaging it is and it's wrong. It's just, it's just not absolutely uh, acceptable in any possible way. And I can't just sit around and saying, yeah, well, okay, that's just how it is, whatever. You know, that, that's just not right because we are hurting people and that's never good, especially children. I mean, the, the problem is these kids are going to grow up with that mentality and they're going to be horrible people. I'll be honest, they're going to be judgmental. That's the thing because that's what they grew up with. They think, well, I have to judge people if you're not like me. Wow. And, and they
1: think judgment keeps me safe and that's the exact opposite judgment isn't safety it it can be so let's talk about the difference and and some of this um Joe and I listened to President Oaks talk about judgment, and it's fabulous. It's a BYU speech. It's not a conference talk. But he talks about there are times that we do need judgment. And I totally believe that. An example he gave is if you knew a person was accused of being a child molester, would you leave your children with them for the weekend when you went away? Of course not, because my judgment tells me, hey, that's not a safe place to be. That is judgment that is righteous judgment because you have facts that you can base that choice off of but if you tell your child i won't let you play with them because they don't go to church with us That is not righteous judgment because you don't know anything about that child. And it's you doing your due diligence to gather the factual information, going and meeting with their parents, being able to learn to trust others no matter what their faith, because they're wonderful people, wonderful, amazing people that are not of our faith to allow our children to bless their lives because that's how we bring people unto Christ to be able to help them to understand the gospel is through those things. And and that is a way to judge, but again, it's gathering the facts first and knowing what what it is that you are saying no to, as opposed to just a broad spectrum no because they, they don't go to our church.
0: I, I agree, and and that's um, I, I don't know that that's really prevalent, uh, you know, in, in the culture. And and we, we there are different types of judgment which we're going to get into, and we do need to judge. Right? that's that is important we have to judge for our own safety and our, and our own uh, survival really in a lot of ways we as you know we judge every single day right we judge um, with every decision that we make and, and uh, we make judgment calls based on all of those things and that those are judgments but yes making a, a, a judgment call based on facts and, and something that is a righteous judgment has to be done I don't think that if you you know if if you Make a judgment call where uh, you know you you uh, if you you can forgive your uncle for molesting your kids, but you never let him babysit again, kind of thing, right? Well,
1: and that's understandable because he has hurt you and brought of harm course. to your family, and that's a boundary. We're back to boundaries. That's a safe boundary for you and your children. Right. But
0: that's a righteous judgment too, and you're Correct. okay. In 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 making that judgment it's you, no one's going to condemn you and say well you shouldn't judge him like that so no I have to judge him for the safety of my children
1: okay but i judge and that's where he brings up it is in an intermediate judgment of i'm keeping myself safe but i have no right to judge them that he's going to be damned and go to hell right. that is not my place i i still see him as a child of god he is struggling in many many ways and and that's where you start to pray for your enemies because they need prayers and they need love probably more than people who aren't struggling and that's a healthy way to look at it is you know what he's really struggling in a lot of ways and he's harmed us but we can forgive and we can love and be able to still accept him where he's at in a safe way. And that would mean keeping a physical distance and probably an emotional distance from him because he is not a safe person to have around your children or around your family.
0: Absolutely. hundred percent. And that, that's, again, that is, that is not, I think the, I think the problem is judgment gets uh, one label. That it's wrong or that's bad, or we shouldn't judge. Right. Right. We hear that all the time. We shouldn't judge. No, we should judge. You just have to judge the right way. Uh there are types of judgment that you don't do. You don't judge people like we're talking about um, based on uh on, on on you know not understanding their situation or their circumstances, right? But you can judge people based on facts, you can make righteous judgments uh to protect yourself and your family. And you can make these intermediate judgments, right? Which aren't final, but they're judging, they're making a, a righteous and a solid judgment in a certain circumstance, for whatever. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean that that's a final judgment in any way for that person. That that person could get help and change and not suffer from this, you know, this uh, issue, right? Of, right. Uh, of hurting kids, for example. Uh, they could do that, and that's that's their thing. But you know, it's not our judgment or our right to judge and say, yeah, that person's going to hell because of what they did. Um, they deserve it, and they probably will, but that's not our call. <laughs> we'll we'll right? go to
1: the millstone, be hung about their neck, and they be drowned yeah. in the depths yeah. of the sea. Okay, I'm not going The scriptures feel bad are about pretty, that. pretty clear on that one. But again, it's not, and it is, and it's, and it's being, and Oaks brings up being guided by the spirit. And that is where if you listen to the spirit, it will lead and guide you to make righteous judgments, but don't put more into it than what is there. So let's say that, I'm walking and the Spirit says, you know, that person doesn't feel very trustworthy. Walk on the other side of the road. All I need to do is walk on the other side of the road. I'm done. I don't have to think, oh, that was Mr. So-and-so. I wonder what he's done wrong. I wonder why the Spirit told me that. He must really be a bad person. He must have done something. And then I tell my friend, oh, I was walking down the street the other day and I felt this and it was so-and-so. And that we have just gotten into complete judgment and spreading things that are not true and trying to get validation for the spiritual confirmation that I had when I don't need that it's a very simple calm and peaceful place to just say okay I got that prompting followed it done and not go on with it from that point
0: uh, well exactly yeah that that's um that, that is a thing I think we kind of have to train ourselves too because once you start um, extrapolating and turning it into gossip it becomes like a final judgment in a sense.
1: Well, but. and I'm back to the group idea because then the group starts to feel and sense this. And and it's interesting that the church, let's go back to the social setting. Back in the early days of the church, they used to tell everyone when someone was excommunicated because they wanted them to pray for them, to love them back into fellowship. That wasn't what was happening in no. the culture. The culture was saying, oh, so-and-so was excommunicated. I wonder what he did. How? Or they even told him what they did. Oh, he slept with so-and-so's wife, or he did this. He's a bad man. I don't want anything to do with him. I don't want my kids around him. Out of fear, we're back to fear again. I I, I don't want anything to do with him as opposed to, wow, brother, so-and-so did this, and he's really struggling. And what way can I bless his life? Maybe all I can do is pray. Or maybe I can just talk to him tomorrow and let him know, you know what, I still love you even though I realize you made a mistake and that you need to repent because we all make mistakes and we all need to repent. And they've stopped doing that and no longer, that is part of the church because the culture has destroyed that pure ability to love and to to serve others through that modality of, of letting them know this person just needs extra love and concern right now.
0: What is it? Yeah, that's that's true. That's hard to do, I think, for, for a lot of people because you get so caught up in the weirdness of it. I think people, there's still a lot of stigma in the culture of the church of avoiding the appearance of evil, and we've we've mentioned that before, but that's a thing that just, I don't know. I don't know if that was such a great idea, giving people that quote. Well, and I, <laughs> right? I, I agree. Because it gets taken out of context.
1: You avoid the appearance of evil based on the spirit again, that if I'm going to put myself in those situations just based on on fun. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I sure it's great to have fun, but say that I want to spend time with people and it's a work party and I know there's going to be drinking. Sure. I don't agree with that, but I want to spend time with those people because it's a camaraderie or relationship that I have. So I choose to be in that place just because I go into a bar doesn't mean it's an evil place. It means that people are consuming alcohol. It doesn't mean that it has to affect me, but let's say that I know that there's a place that really, you know, places that there are things that go on that are just horrible, you know, things that are, are evil and that are going to stay with me. And I say, mm, I don't think I want to partake of that because I don't, or I, or it starts happening. And I feel like I really need to leave because this is not the environment that I'm feeling comfortable and safe. And it goes without. It goes beyond the boundaries that I've set for myself. I think that's the key, that I've set these boundaries for myself that I'm not going to partake or I'm not going to be influenced by these things. So I turn off the TV or I leave the situation because it's not in keeping with my moral and ethical compass that I internally have.
0: Agreed, yeah. agreed. It's, uh, I know it is a, is a kind of crazy thing. And, and that's, uh, you know, unfortunately people, you know, in, in, when talking about that, they take that whole appearance of evil concept out of, out of context. Correct. Right. That's, that's the problem I have with it is that people, again, getting back to the example of, and this, like I've seen this myself personally living in Utah where people will not let their children play with other children who don't belong to the church, for example, or it's usually something like that. And they just think that, well, I can't expose my, kids to that because I don't know what goes on in that house and they don't have the same standards as we do. And so maybe there are things that are going on in that house that aren't appropriate for my kids and I need to protect my kids and all that stuff. And it's complete and utter judgment for no reason. But they they kind of take that to the extreme. We're apt to avoid all kinds of evil and anything that we're told not to do is evil, which is not true in any way. Like honestly, I don't think that drinking alcohol is a sin. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's I don't think there's any wrong with doing that in in terms of right and wrong. We, we simply don't do it because it's it's part of our health code and it can lead to addiction. It can lead to a behavior that is damaging.
1: Well, right? and it's part of the temple questions like that's If yeah. you look at that and that's why I've made a covenant. And when I'm asked those questions, I answer it with a clear conscience because it's part of our moral and ethical code. So sure. But is it right for me to decide that for anyone else?
0: No, of course not. Not in any way. But that's what we do. We could say, oh, well, yeah. Uh, we have to avoid the appearance of evil. So we need to completely avoid anything that isn't supported a 1000% by our church, because it all must be evil, which is wrong. And it's, it's absolutely, uh, it's unfair. And you have no right to judge people like that at all. And we're, we're all different. Like I'm super comfortable being in a bar with people hanging out on a happy hour, having drinks with friends and things like that, because that used to be my life before I joined the church. So I'm not uncomfortable in that, and it's not a bad place. I, I
1: do think it's cute though when I go and I get my diet coke, and they say, "Oh, do you not drink?" And I say, "Yeah, it's it's a, a life choice of you know health choice." And they're like, "Oh, are you a recovering addict?" <laughs> I
0: get that a lot too. I get, I, and I, I, I say,
1: "No, it's just my choice," and I've always just stayed true to that choice. And now people, and P, it's amazing, people will say, "Wow, I really respect that." that's great that you've made that choice it's a
0: wonderful thing people do respect anyone that has standards that they've defined for themselves not standards that you think everyone else should have right at all but just that's your thing and that's like you know listen you're doing what you want to do and you're not letting other people dictate what your life is and that's the same example has happened to me before uh someone asks you know if i drink i was at a new year's party and everything and uh, they asked me if I drink and I said no and they said oh are you a recovering alcoholic and I just said no worse I'm Mormon <laughs> <laughs> and they looked at and you lo- like oh no they I... loved that. that was hilarious it's like oh my gosh my best friend used to be Mormon or whatever things like that and I can totally respect that but I could never date you because I love to well, drink well the interesting <laughs> thing
1: too is people who are not in the church anymore will say hey you know I, I drink is it okay if I drink in front of you which I think is interesting that they ask that yeah because I are going to judge right? They, right they feel uncomfortable that I'm going to judge them that they've left the church at one time they were LDS and they choose to drink now, again, it's interesting that that's the perception of them, that we're so judgmental that they need to not engage in something that that they want to do. But, and maybe it bothers people and you could say respectfully, oh, you know, I really feel bothered when you do that. Okay, great. I cannot do that. You know, if, you, if you're, so like children who um, decide to drink, the parents can have a, a, a Boundary or a thing of you know what you don't bring alcohol into our home. If you want to go out and engage in that behavior, that's your choice. But please don't bring it into our home and have it around here. And th- and it's up to those children to then respect that boundary. Absolutely,
0: and there's nothing wrong with that uh, one bit. And I'm, I'm very comfortable. I, I don't see it like it, it being, uh, you know, like I don't get offended at all pretty much by, by anything. It has to it'd be pretty, pretty horrible for me to actually be offended but certainly not when it comes to behavior kinds of things and Uh, I don't know, like, I would hope that no one would ever feel like I would expect them to ask me, is it okay if I have a drink (laughs) around you or whatever? Um, Because, uh, no, I mean, I'm totally cool with all of that. Now, I mean, if you're, you know, going to get absolutely drunk off your ass and be and, you know and 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 like do stupid stuff that's going to hurt people or embarrass everybody or whatever and I don't want to be around that but nobody does it has nothing to do with your face. faith it is interesting though I had an experience several years ago uh when I was talking to a guy I was at a, a company uh trip and everything uh we were in Vegas and it was a big corporate thing and so um there was a guy who was from Australia who was there from the company and I was uh from here and uh we were just sort of chatting and then he you know, just came up that I was LDS and he was familiar with the faith and everything like that. And, um, he, uh, he asked me cause he, he was, um, he, you know, he, he was pretty casual with his, with his language. Right. And, and he would, um, he, he would, uh, like, you know, just sort of, uh, say the savior's name. I think you know, people say that right. Just, uh, mm-hmm. and whatever, which is fine. Uh, but he, he did actually ask me, um, on his own without without me saying anything. He just said, you know, once he found out I was Mormon, he said, you know, do you mind if I blaspheme? Which is kind of an interesting word to that's use. Interesting. That's interesting. That's, that's a very big I'm word, Joe. I'm I'm
1: impressed you could use oh, that.
0: Of course, yeah no it was, it was good. Yeah, but that's the Australians. You know, they uh, they, they do have and the English and even the Canadians, they they do have like a much better vocabulary, I think than a lot of people they really do. I love that actually. But that was that was his saying he said, Oh do you I'm sorry, do you mind if I blaspheme? And you know, and which was cool. And was, I really appreciate him asking that. and, and I I said, um, I said, you know, I I prefer that you wouldn't because I don't. That is one thing that I really like to hear personally. I just don't like to be around. That Because, you know, I do have a relationship with the Savior and I, I do have a ton of gratitude for the atonement and for, you know, what the Savior did for all of us kind of thing. And that, that's important to me personally. And so, no, I don't really want to hear people saying that just casually or making fun of it or whatever like that. Again, I don't get offended. I don't get bent out of shape. But I also told them that I don't feel it's my place to tell you how to talk or act. And if I really don't want to be in a conversation like that, I'll just leave. I'll I'll excuse myself and leave. I'm not going to tell you. You need to change your behavior because of my standards. It's not about that for me.
1: Right. What's interesting though, is he asked for the boundary because people like boundaries. They like to know what is offensive to you so they can be respectful to you. That's done out of
0: love. It is. And it was wonderful. I love that. And that's why I I wanted to sort of extend the boundary back and say, listen, if, if that's who you are and that's what you choose to do, I'm not going to tell you not to do that. And if it gets to the point where I'm just uncomfortable, I'll just excuse myself and go to another conversation. But I would never tell you that. And again, I don't I don't look at that like, oh, he's wrong. He's sinning. I'm judging him. You should never do that. We should never do that. Don't you appreciate who the Savior is? All this kind of stuff. That's complete judgment, and that's not who I am. And, you know, again, it's just we hear that kind of language all the time in movies, and, and people say it very casually wherever. And it doesn't bother me, but just the fact that he asked me about it was wonderful. And I like that idea that he was doing that as a a boundary and out of love, which was exactly what was happening. He was a good person.
1: And that's the thing. There are good people who want to love and respect others. And, and what's interesting is they're not judgmental. Like they don't judge us and say, Oh, shame on you for, for having that boundary that you don't, that you feel uncomfortable with that they look and they say oh you're uncomfortable with that oh well then okay i can i can manage myself within that boundary
0: because yeah while i'm around you while and i'm while around we're in this you. situation that's and just common courtesy right, i think right i've and, been
1: in that same situation i was doing group therapy at banner in fact and there was a guy who was from the military very you know, he'd been in the military quite a long time and they are very regimented and very, they, ha- they know rules, like they get how to behave. And, and after probably two sessions, he said, you know what? I, I, I need to, I ask you a, a weird question. I said, okay. And he said, I've been cussing. Does that really bother you? It's in, he said, I kind of feel like it does. And I said, cause typically in therapy, I like to let people express their emotions and many times, but it does bother me. And I said, yes. And he said, oh, Uh, Is it part of your religion? And and I said, well, actually it is. And he said, oh, I grew up with this boy. His name's Brian Zimmerman. And I grew up with him going to high school, which is interesting. He knew the same guy that I knew from... A different walk in life. And he taught me that LDS people are offended by that. So I'll stop cussing in group. And he did. And he was, and it was just this feeling of like, almost reverence of like, you know what, I can, I can be reverent to that and be respectful to that because it's a part of my life, but I don't need to use it. And there, were, he didn't feel judged. He didn't feel judged by me. And I, or I didn't feel judged by him. It was just more of this, again, respectful interaction that it also might be offensive to other people within the group if if it wasn't just offensive to me
0: well that that is coming from a place of love which again that has nothing to do with faith and religion specifically i think as human beings we have respect for other people and people respect other people's boundaries all the time, not just religious boundaries anyways. People have other boundaries, right? In, in every aspect of life and people who are good people, who are loving people, who want to respect other people will reach out in those boundaries. I don't like saying that um, LDS people get offended by this or get offended by that because that to me, when people say, oh, he's offended by that, don't do it that instantly brings judgment to mind. They're going to think, well, they're going to judge me if I do this because mm-hmm. they're offended but by they're this offended kind of stuff. It. And that's not true at all. Like I don't get offended by most things, language or anything at all. This, this, we you know, we have these guidelines that were given in our particular faith, and we choose to follow them or not kind of thing. I mean, that's up to us. And there are consequences to every single choice. And we're given guidelines and we're given guidelines uh, Context about our guidelines. We're given information to help us make the right choice that is right for us. But we still are free to choose. And uh, I, you know, I, I don't go telling people, "Oh, that offends me. Please don't do it," because it doesn't offend me. But it gives the wrong message. I think people in their mind they make a connection that offense equals judgment.
1: Sometimes, but again, it's okay because offense is a feeling. I feel offended, and if that really is the feeling, it's being true to your feelings and expressing that. And and I think that's where it. And not worrying if. Now now we get into the unhealthiness of the guessing game of, oh, or they think I'm judging them. You know what? If I'm offended, then I'm going to say that really offends me. Or if I'm bothered, that bothers me. But not worrying about how other people are going to judge me. And that's another thing in the church. I'm not going to speak up. I'm not going to share what's really going on in my life because I'm so afraid of the judgment that will come from other people, that they will see me differently, that they will treat me differently because they, it's not a culture of love. And that's what you and I are working on. It's this culture of love and acceptance and non-judgment that I go to church and I don't judge. So if someone, you know, says something in a lesson and, and it's not this audible gasp of like, oh, I can't believe they just said that. It's more of, wow, thanks so much for sharing that. That's amazing that you're vulnerable and open and willing to allow yourself to be honest. And the rest of us can just love you for that. And it's interesting. Clients will say to me, it's really hard to talk about this because I feel like you'll see me differently. And I will openly tell them, I love you even more when you're honest with me, because then I can see through and you're very transparent and you're very vulnerable. And that's when you become a real person and someone that I connect to. And it's that's what we're asking for is this level of connection. Because when you're judgmental, you're not connecting. You have just disconnected yourself from that person, including judging yourself. And that's kind of where I want to move into of judging ourselves. Typically, I find people who are very judgmental are judging themselves harshly. That's why they judge others harshly. Judging ourselves is not in keeping with God's law. He, he is the judge. Be, you know, that he says, "I'm the judge." Judge ye that you be not judging, you know, like don't judge yourself either. It's not for you to tell yourself, "Wow, that was wrong or bad that you, you know, that that you did this and it's it's horrible." It's loving yourself and saying, "Wow, that didn't feel like it was something in keeping with what a loving, kind person was due. I don't like that feeling. I want to change that. And I want to partake of the atonement because I made a mistake. I've missed the mark I've sinned and I want to change. And that's not judgment. That's just being open and listening and learning is the key. Having a growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset, the the growth mindset of learning from those things. Because if we can let go of that harsh judgment of ourselves, believing if I judge myself, shame and blame myself and motivate myself through fear, the fear of I might do it again, the fear of I would hurt myself or hurt someone else, then it's not motivated out of a place of faith and love, faith in the atonement, faith that I can change, and faith that I'm a frail human being that's going to make those mistakes and that's just a part of of learning and a part of life and that's a whole different feeling than it is of shame on you you know you made a mistake you're horrible you're you don't measure up you're not good enough
0: but that's the message that the culture sends to people loud and clear and, and people don't feel like they can have that you know, um, that, that really, that, that is a very, very healthy way to, to be if you don't judge yourself and you can clearly look at judgment and understand what it is. But people are just given this message from birth, really, right, all, all the way growing up, if they're kind of, you know, being affected by the culture of the church. That it's all about judgment because they're constantly being judged and they're they're being made to feel again. They don't go around telling everyone you need to judge other people, but when you send a message that here's how we live and here are the the rules we follow and we never break these rules and we have to you know avoid these things and those things, you are programming people to judge. You're teaching them how to judge in that way, and that's what's been so damaging all this time. And it's just it's it's horrible. It's just the. I mean, I know, we all know people who've literally left the church Mm -hmm. because of the judgment that they've grown up with in their lives. And that to me is just so wrong and it needs to stop because these are beautiful people who are, who've denied themselves the opportunity to really grow in the gospel. And I'm not, you know, I don't even care if you're a member of the church or anything like that, but if you just feel like God equals judgment or the LDS church equals judgment or I'm never good enough and, uh, you know, I'm always judging myself and, and all these things. if you Like you, you can't get in a mindset to develop a relationship with the Savior and, and with God, and you're missing out on tremendous experiences, very good spiritual experiences, wonderful blessings in your life, because you're not allowing that relationship to go forward. And I don't blame these people. Honestly, I don't. They're, they're programmed from birth to do this, and it's just a horrible, horrible thing to do.
1: Right, and it's that programming, realizing the atonement can let you let go of that, and it's not done from a place of truth. From a place of light, and that is not the way that God loves us. And again, parents or whoever said it are f- mortal, frail, mis- they make mistakes. And forgiving them, forgiveness is a huge part of that. But I will hear many times, I didn't wanna be in the church because when I went, I just felt heavy, I felt people watching me, I felt different, felt different is a huge word. I felt different that I wasn't loved and accepted. And just for those who are in it, really checking in and in the church, in that other place and saying, am I being a person of judgment? When people come in, what is it I see and think about them? If I see that they they look different or maybe they smell like cigarette smoke or they act differently, do I judge them as bad or wrong? Or do I just say, wow, I love that person and I'm going to let go. I'm, I'm mindfully aware I'm judging, letting go of that judgment and just accepting and loving them for what they brought with them. Well, absolutely. I
0: mean, I used to be that Person right, who was coming to church for the first time and living that lifestyle, and I mean, I never smoked or anything, but you know, it's um, it's it's hard, I think, for us to remember what it's like, uh, you know, to to be that and and to be someone who's just starting their journey uh, with God, and and what a terrible thing to do to snuff that out, you know, right in the beginning. By and people get judged all the time coming to church for the first time and the way they look and the way they dress and and all these kinds of things, and people just sort of turn away from them because like, well, you're not like us. So we don't really have time. We're going to stay with our little click over here and and do our thing. And I think that's that's the, the, like the, the awareness needs to change. I I think, you know, when we, it is all judgment and we do it all day long. It's very simple. It's very quick and easy to do. And we don't give it a second thought in a lot of cases, Mm -hmm. right? We just judge and we do that, not just at church. We judge like that all the time. And, you know, I I think maybe we just need to, um, Gotta kind of be a little bit more aware of how we're judging and asking yourself, you know, am I judging this situation? Am I judging it righteously or am I judging based on just, um, you know, looks or information that I have? But really, do I understand the true situation here? And if not, I shouldn't judge. Maybe I should uh, offer to help this person or something like that. Um, let's touch on labels really quick because that was okay. one thing that uh, I think is really, I mean, this is a huge contributor to judgment in general for everybody
1: okay so let's talk about first of all psychologically why we put labels on things that's it's an interesting concept we put labels because it makes things much easier um like this is a car i drive it there's a label this is a roller you know roller skate i wear it so wears those anymore come on maybe some roller skates Roller blades? it's back in again roller skates are back in uh, coming ice, back it's in. only
0: ice hockey blades it's all that's all I that's all it Counts in my world <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is food i eat it it's a label um and it's and so we do that our brain does that to make things simpler but the problem is labeling people and that comes from our underlying belief and we do it constantly just because we're not aware of those underlying beliefs that is a man with long hair and a lot of tattoos he's a bad person that is a mom with six kids kids. kids she's worn out
0: (laughs) yeah that's probably true though this is
1: probably true but she's a mom and she's going to have a certain persona and she's going to act and be a certain way there's no truth to that label but we do it because we've seen it over and over and and it's just the way our brain works you know orange juice is going to taste like i see the label of orange juice and what's it going to taste like orange juice because i've had it how many times well, yeah, every day. It doesn't taste like grape juice. And that's where it does help it. But we've got to let go of the labels of people. Those do not work. That person is wearing a black hoodie and running down the street. They've just done something bad.
0: Just like that. We instantly label. We instantly label. And that, no, that that is... Um, there was... Uh, this is one of my favorite things to talk about, too, when it comes to labels, because there was a fireside that... Uh, Elder Bednar did a few years ago in South America and uh, he just was basically an open forum where people could ask questions and someone had talked about uh, gay, right? Being gay and being homosexual and all these kinds of things, which is a crazy whole nother topic that we don't completely in understand. Fact, I,
1: in fact, I want to save that talk for another, from oh, that's we're a total talking other, about that. Yeah. That talk was amazing. Oh, you
0: want to just save that talk for yes. the, for that episode? Yes. Okay, fair enough. That's so anyway, yeah. So it, that does touch on labels, but uh, yes, the point is we're very quick to judge. I mean, that is a judgment. When we put a label on someone, that is a total judgment, right? Just like that. We're completely judging and saying, well, yeah, you look like this, you act like this, you said this. So yeah, you're this label. Right. And that's how we may be completely wrong with it. So just the fact that we even label makes us judge people. And and so I think it's just really kind of becoming aware because when we we label people, what we're doing is we're focusing on their weaknesses and their faults, right? We're, We're really only seeing the worst. It forces us to look at the worst side of this person and judge them accordingly. And that's terrible.
1: We're judging a book by its cover. And that's the label. You should coin that phrase. That sounds really uh, that good, sounds really, that's a yeah, good one. really catchy, doesn't it? But the cover looks like this, or if it acts like a duck and walks like a duck, it's a duck. It's not always a duck. Like that duck could have patterned off of a dog and act more like a dog than a duck and, and it just, it's a just book. a dog
0: identifying as a dog. Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now we get into the jokes of all of that. That's different, <laughs> but it, it's, it's, uh, you know, I can't, I can't judge a book by its cover cause I haven't read it yet. I can't judge a person by their outward appearance and, and appearance and their label that they, I have put on them, which again is out of, out of our natural man or that caveman brain for protection. It's opening up and, and being open to everyone because everyone has something worthy of sharing no matter what the outside looks like.
0: It is, exactly. I've talked about this before, but every, I believe every single individual has something of value to offer. Whoever you are, and it doesn't matter if you aren't successful, or aren't prominent, or you're not uh, heavily networked, right? Or, Or you just don't have any influence or things like that. You're a human being, you're a child of God, you have value, you've been given gifts and talents, whatever they are. But if we just judge people based on these labels, if we just judge people based on our preconceived notions of who that person must be because they look like this or they act like this, we deny ourselves the opportunity to actually develop a wonderful relationship with someone and we, we deny ourselves the opportunity to learn from that individual, which is sad to me. I mean, we, we, we're denying ourselves personal growth, and somebody's got, everyone has something that you can learn from. You just may learn that, you know what, this person is really, really nice in impossible in difficult circumstances. Wow, I can never be like that person in those circumstances. That gives me pause. That I have more admiration for that person now. And I've learned that you can be happy in really bad circumstances because this person does that. That's not something, you know, people don't look at that as value, but it's tremendously valuable. Everybody has something of value to offer you. And you're denying yourself a lot of great opportunities for personal growth and to become a better version of yourself by judging people. That's just the fact. And so I think if we can look past all of these things and look at someone and say, okay, what can I learn from from this individual. Wow, they're they're really funny looking, right? Or <laughs> they're really unusual looking. Or they they live a lifestyle that I don't, uh, you know, actually follow because I don't believe that that's the right choice for me. But what do we have in common with that person? Wouldn't it be interesting to see if I actually have in common mm-hmm. something in common with someone who is so different from me? And you just start thinking in those terms, and that just changes your whole mindset.
1: Did you see how you moved out of judgment? Though they have something in common. Now we have something that connects us. And we do have something in common. We're all children of God. We all want to return home back to him, no matter what our pathway is. There is no one right pathway to do that, to be able to... We all want love and acceptance, right? And we We, all want love and acceptance. We all
0: want to be validated. We all want to know that who we are is, is, you know, what I'm doing is good, what I'm doing has value. And you can give that to somebody just by stopping and talking to them and being kind to them and not judging
1: Right. And so whenever you get into that place of curiousness of, "Hi, huh, I wonder how we are the same, you've just moved out of judgment into a place of openness and into a place of connection. And I think that's the biggest thing with judgment is changing the culture into welcoming anyone and everyone and, and asking, how can I connect? I want to be curious. I want to get to know. I want to be able to, to just... Find who that person is, and sure, we may not disagree on, or we might not agree on every thing, and we might disagree on things, and that's okay to disagree. And that's that they, normal;
0: that'll never happen.
1: But that's how I learn. Like they have a different right. point of view, and I can say, "Oh, and I, I've never thought of it that way." That's a really different, interesting way to think of things.
0: And that's how—that's the feedback I get. I think the most feedback I get from this podcast from people is like, "I never thought of it that way." This is a really interesting idea. I always grew up being told this, but. Wow, this makes a lot of sense, and, and that's really you know what I want is just to give a different perspective. And it's I'm not saying that this is the right perspective in any in any way at all. This is a different perspective, but perspectives um, create conversation and they create thought, right? And they get people talking and they get people thinking in different terms. And who knows what kind of an idea can come up uh, out of it the point is not to decide who's right and who's wrong that's not our choice and it's not even relevant you know we will eventually find all the answers at some point it's not about that but isn't it great to appreciate someone else's point of view and their perspective isn't it great that someone stimulated you to think in a new way I think that's fantastic I love experiencing that and I love that uh, you know our our listeners um, do have that experience when they listen to the podcast that's the whole point of doing this and I'm so thrilled that we have ignited that in people and I've had people come back with positive feedback and negative feedback, and it's all good. Um, it's, it's it's getting people talking and it's getting people thinking, which is great. So let's end on. Um, I kind of wanted just to sort of leave uh, you know an idea of, of how do we exercise good judgment? How do we exercise righteous judgment? How do we tell the difference? And I think, you know, I'll start with um, some of the things that uh, I think are important is to uh, sort of uh, align your standards. Um, I was going to say with God, but align your standards to your higher power. Align your standards to what is good, what you feel is good, because there's no right or wrong answer in terms of that. And I'm not not saying, you know, that you need to align to our standards in any way. That doesn't matter. But just aligning your standards to, to something that is good that's going to lead to uh, to good judgment because you know God's standards or you know the universe's standards don't really change. They're more of an eternal kind of thing, and if you can align with that, you can have much much better judgment um, as opposed to the standards of the world change with the tide kind of thing, right? They're always changing, and and things are always um, moving around based on trends and based on how people feel and based on who's in power and all of these things, and it's hard to you know, it's just a moving target, right? And it's very confusing that way. So I think you really have to get grounded that way. I think you need to uh, listen to the spirit. And when I say that, it's, it's whatever that means for you. That might be meditation, that might be prayer, that might be just sitting in a quiet place and, and pondering, but it's really just becoming one with yourself, however you do that, and just finding, um, you, you know, that place in nature and, uh, and that total calmness, right? Where you just have that peace in your calm, In in your in yourself and in your mind, it's going to help you make uh, you know the best judgment calls uh, there. And then um, also just sort of um, how you live. In you know, if you want to live, I I would say we say follow the commandments uh, or follow the guidelines. uh, Just like um, on Pirates of the Caribbean, (laughs) There are more (laughs) guidelines than than anything, which I totally agree with. Uh, But whatever your moral code is, right? And it's different for all of us, and that's okay. That's it doesn't matter. There's no one right answer. But if you have you know, a moral code that you believe in, and you follow those standards, that's going to help you make good judgment calls. And it's going to help you, I think, to really understand what a righteous judgment call is. And you'll be able to feel that, you know what, I'm judging this person for the wrong reasons, because I'm looking at their situation, I'm looking at the outward appearance, uh, or I'm judging this person, like a final judgment based on one action that they committed. And I'm labeling this person as, oh yes, this person is a bad person because they just did this, but you don't know the circumstances around that. What are your thoughts on that?
1: My thoughts are in alignment with yours also more along the being aware, just aware of if I am judging, is it based out and asking myself. So um, the anacronym that I use for awareness is is RAIN, recognize, allow that, that feeling or that idea in, investigate, really be curious about it, and then nurture and, and look at the place from a loving place. So recognize, am I being judgmental? Am I doing that? It's from a base, it's a place of fear. It's a base of I'm fearful, I'm judgmental because I want to protect myself or my children. And, and feeling that fear and then investigating why am I fearful? And usually there's something in your past to let go of or forgive and then nurturing it and saying, you know what, it's okay that maybe I was hurt by a man. And so I'm judgmental that I don't like men. I went through that phase after my divorce. I didn't like men a whole lot because they were bad, wrong, and were out to get me. Um, Obviously, that judgment (laughs) passed. It took a while to work through that, but I was very judgmental because I felt like I needed to protect myself, and it, it moves into a place of perception and openness of you know what? I'm just going to nurture that and say, okay, I'm fearful of men because I've been hurt so significantly and nurturing and saying, it's okay. That hurt will heal. I'll allow it to heal. And then that judgment passes because that fear is no longer that base of why I need to judge. And, and the judgment will fade whenever we can let go of the fear. But if you really dig into why you're judging, I'm pretty sure there's going to be some fear underneath that. So letting go of that fear and having faith that God knows. And that's even things like um, going to out into the world and having faith that men are innately good and I don't need to be fearful that they're going to hurt me and judge them to protect myself. And when you can do that, it opens up to these amazing connections and vulnerabilities and places of transparency where they can really see who I am because the judgment blocks even them seeing who I am, and they just see me as this person that's judging them and, and telling them that they're wrong or bad or not, that there's, they're not good enough. And that isn't for us, it's for us to love. And, and it would change the culture, it would change the world if people could just let go of those things.
0: I like your, acron- your um, acronym, we're going to make it rain. All right. For sure. <laughs> all right, here we are. Okay, that is what we got on judgment, guys. Thanks uh, again very much for uh, for listening. I hope uh, you took away uh, a lot from this. It's it's a very, uh, you know, significant type topic that does touch all of us every day of our lives. And if we can just get a little bit better in our judgment, uh, you know, we all have different ways to improve and what we need, and it's okay. Uh, you know, but uh, take away what you can from this and, and apply it and, uh, you know, just... Uh, be aware. Just be aware of uh, of, of judgment, and uh, if you're feeling judged, or if you're judging, and um, you know, just do the best you can to get a little bit better every day. That's what it's all about, and uh, we know you can do it. So, thanks again for listening, and we will see you guys on the next episode. In the meantime, keep the faith and keep your stick on the ice. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Amazon Prime, iHeartRadio and wherever fine podcasts are sold.